the candy. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm glad I am. I'm a real-life Yankee Doodle, made my name and fame and boodle, just as Mr. Doodle did by riding on a pony. I love to listen to the Dixie strain. I long to see the girl I left behind me. That ain't a Josh. She's a Yankee, by gosh. Oh, about a Yankee that's awful neat. Little Johnny Jones, the jockey from the USA. We'll ride the pony Yankee Doodle English Derby Day. Jones broken records every track at every beat. So Yankee Doodle's gonna be the boy they have to beat. Sportsmen of the British House who followed his career have offered Johnny anything to keep him over here. But all the money in the Bank of England couldn't pay Enough to keep young Johnny Jones away from old Broadway If you want to take a trip, the surest of sure things Have your houses mortgaged, hop your watches, pawn your rings And put it all on Yankee Doodle, Johnny Jones is up I'm gonna give America the English Derby Cup He's gonna give America the English Derby Cup I'm a Yankee Doodle dandy Yankee Doodle do or die A real live nephew of my Uncle Sam Born on the 4th of July I've got a Yankee Doodle sweetheart She's my Yankee Doodle joy Yankee Doodle came to London just to ride the ponies I am that Yankee Doodle boy again and welcome to another episode of a thousand and one by one where we take a film out of the wonderful book a thousand and one movies you must see before you die discuss it analyze it and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book my name is adam st john and my name is ian woodington and before we get to today's episode on yankee doodle dandy which I just, I have to say in a weird way because it just, it's such a bombastic title. Yeah, no, you got to say it slightly weird. <laughs> um, we will give you some recommendations as we always do. Ian, what do you have for us? Well, we don't usually do too many TV shows as recommends. I mean, I know we, we've cheated a couple times. We never we never set a precedent that we weren't going to recommend TV shows. That's but I true. Think the very first That's episode, true. I think I recommended Jack Ryan, and you recommended a few episodes later, Haunting of Hill House. I, I can't remember yep. if there's been any other TV shows. You did Chernobyl. Since. I did Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Well, how could you not? Have you seen it yet? I have not. Oh, come on now. Get with the program. I have two kids, so go fuck yourself. Well, tell them to sit down and just bide their time while you watch Chernobyl in one sitting. It's only five episodes, I believe in you. Okay. Um, so I have a, long story short, I have a TV show as a recommend this week. Uh, Liz and I blasted through it in like a week because we just couldn't stop. I mean, we've been looking for something short, like a half hour deal in the in the evenings. And sure. uh, friend of us, a uh, friend of ours recommended Fleabag. I want to watch this. Which it's been getting, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about awards last week. This thing has just been eating them up, and it's well-deserved. Okay. So uh, right. Fleabag is uh, written and starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, as uh, as Fleabag. I mean, they don't give her character a name other than that. Um, I don't even think they use, I don't even think Fleabag is mentioned in the show. But there are some, what's interesting, there are some characters with names and some characters, like her dad is just dad. Sure. And the godmother, played by Olivia Coleman, oh my God, who is so good, uh, is just godmother. Yeah. Um, so it's based on a based on a play. 
uh, like a one woman show yes. that was very successful and it's at two series now so one in 2016 and then one last year 2019 and it's just kind of like her day to day and dealing with in the first season and to an extent in the second season dealing with the death of her best friend and sort of partner in crime and business partner as well they have a guinea pig centric cafe uh, who, her her friend has very recently killed herself, and so she's she's dealing with that. And it's just I. It takes a lot to tickle my funny bone, but I was laughing consistently all twelve episodes of this because it's it's British format, so each season is only six episodes, and I just laughed all the way through it. This thing really really touched me, and and just made me laugh and made me cry. It's just perfect writing. Great. I, I I don't know what else to say. It's just absolutely perfect writing. Um, Andrew Scott pops up in the second season as well I, as, heard as the I've priest. Heard yeah. And uh, in, in I, th- I think it was in her Globe speech, she mentioned that he's so good he could have chemistry with a stone, which is, <laughs> I yeah, I get it. He's great. There's another character. Hugh Dennis plays a, a bank manager who's kind of recurring through a couple of different episodes. He has a moment with her that just slayed me. Yeah. Like emotionally, it was absolutely fantastic. And another shout out to it, it made Obama's best of list <laughs> last year, um, which is a great, it, which comes full circle in a really great way. There's a moment early in the first season, which I really don't want to spoil for anybody, that involves Obama, which made me almost fall out of my chair laughing. Right. But this thing has just been eating up the awards, yes, and it it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's only 12 episodes between the two seasons. You've got to see this thing as soon as possible. And, and she has been getting a ton of attention I, for it in the industry as well. She's uh, They hired her as a writer on the new Bond film as well to, oh, great. to kind of tidy up that script and give more of a female element to it. So I, I can tell you that we will, we will, we will start this tonight. I've been wanting to. Yeah. I really have. You're going to have a hard time stopping. Great. That's the best problem to have. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> I, what a first world problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> if... If you don't blow through the first season tonight, I'll be really surprised. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Because I, we really had a hard time putting it down. We got to the point where after, I don't know, like four days, three days, there were two left. And we were like, hang, hang, hang on. Let's, once it's done, it's done. Let's, so we took a, a night off. Yeah. We took a break. And then we are like, oh, no, we can't help it. We got to finish it. That's fair. We, we tried to not devour it in a week, but yeah. couldn't help ourselves. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what she's going to do next. Yeah. Because she is... I, I, one of the best writers out there right now. Nice, nice. All right. What What are you? You Yours is unrelated as well, right? No, no, no mine is. Related. Oh, yours is related. Yeah. Do you have um, a, Do you have a musical to? Well, kind of. Bit of a song and dance thing. Kind of. All right. Um, let's so I, I tried to keep it theatrical based. Um, and I just had my my weekend extravaganza of no kids, just movie watching. Um, and a movie that I I'd owned for a while and just hadn't had the time to commit to watch it, and I finally did was Topsy Turvy. By Mike Lee. There, yeah, there you go. Um, which is about Gilbert and Sullivan, and um, and they are played by um, uh, uh, Jim Broadbent and Alan Cordner. And I mean, it it really is about uh, they've that Gilbert and Sullivan have kind of reached a point in their career where they want to do something new. And um, Jim Broadbent is sort of uh, his wife, who is played by um, Leslie Manville, who was great in it. Um, they go and they see this exhibit on on uh, the Japanese culture, and that's sort of it's the inspiration for the Mikado, which is one of their uh, most popular and successful um, operettas that they they did. And um, it was the kind of like Kabuki style yes. sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. And you know, it really is just 
sort of the it's focuses like they've just opened a show and it did really well, but it, it's kind of what they've been doing. And so they're they're doing something new with the Mikado. And um, it, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of very famous people in it. I know some of the names like Timothy Spall is in it, who's great. Um, that would be an earlier role for him, wouldn't it? Well, you know, he he did, he did Secrets and Lies in '96. This oh, okay, is, this yeah. is '99. Yeah. Um, the 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 guy in Train Spotting who's the really good soccer player. Um, he's in it, the blonde guy. I can't think of his name. I don't know what it is, but he's in it too. He plays a very pompous actor. Um, the woman who plays oh, is that uh, Johnny Lee Miller? No, not Johnny Lee Miller. I know him. It's the one who um makes the sex tape. Kevin McKidd. Yeah, he's in it. He's a very, very pompous actor. I don't know her name either, but the woman who plays Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter movies is in it. Oh, she's wonderful. She pops yeah. up in all the Michael Winterbottom films. Yeah, um, yeah she's and, great. And there's somebody else I feel like. Oh, um, there's a very early Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis plays the choreographer. He oh, is great. fucking hysterical. Uh, Shirley Henderson is that name. Okay, great, yeah. great. And um, and I'm sure there are others. I, I, I don't know all their names. But it, it's just littered. And the reason why, I mean, it, Melissa and I loved it. Um, the costume designer and her just it's so intricate the details are so great I mean and it won um, it won costume design and makeup design for very fucking obvious reasons but it's also such a theater nerdy like the very specific details as it as it just as it relates to being like backstage and, and just working on a show um, there's a really great rallying moment around Timothy Spall which it, the movie's two and a half hours and it's been out for 20 years so I don't really it, I'm I, it's not spoiling anything, but it's a really great moment in the movie. Um, and I, I, it it really is such a fun movie to watch. Jim Broadbent, who I feel like plays such a lighthearted guy a lot of the time, is more of the more gruff in this. He's very, very hmm, yes, indeed. Um, I like. He's, him. he's got a range that I, I don't know that a lot of people know he has say, yeah, unless you true. really start to delve into some of the deeper cuts. Yeah. Um, but really, really well directed. Really, really um, staged very well. The, the the attention to details is just fantastic, and everybody in it is great. It's a true ensemble movie. Just a huge cast and. I had a lot of fun watching it. Well, I remember hearing, I was living in the UK in 99, I remember hearing a lot about it. Yeah. And it, it seemed to get sidelined by, I don't I don't remember what, um, American Beauty was 99? Yeah, Matrix. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot I mean, of... 99 was such a huge year really for films, was, it's, yeah. it's easy to understand how it kind of... Got lost in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I checked, because I wasn't sure, Mike Lee does have one movie in the book. Um, it is, it's Secrets and Lies, which I haven't seen in probably 10 years Um well, we but should cue that up. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a Mike Lee film. Ooh. <laughs> I've only seen two, so. Yeah, yeah I really want to see Vera Drake. Yeah, is me another too. One, that'll probably be the, if we do Secrets and Lies, that'll be the one I watch for it. Yeah. Like, as I recommend. Well, there but, you go. But there you go. Topsy Turvy, I do, I really, really recommend that movie. Um, not so much like the movie we're talking about today. Oh, boy. Here we go. Which is uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. This is directed by Michael Curtiz. We'll talk a little bit about him in a second. It's written by uh, Robert Buckner and Edmund Joseph. Uh, this is based on the real person, George M. Cohan, who was played, I got to say, quite remarkably by James Cagney. Yeah, well, I mean, before this, Cagney was, he was the gangster guy. I mean, Angels with Dirty Faces, which is one of my favorite films of the 30s. It is my favorite Cagney film. I've never seen a Cagney film. This, I, this is your first I one. I realized it. Oh wow! As we're watching it, I just hadn't ever. So no, into no those. public enemy. Nope. No, no, oh wow! No. Nope. Yeah. Angels, yeah. angels with dirty faces is my favorite Michael Curtiz film. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so uh, uh, other people in the movie um, is we got um, Joan Leslie who plays Mary, who is the amalgamation of George M. Cohen's real first and second wife. 
Um, and then uh, Walter Houston plays his dad, Jerry Cohan. And how good is Walter Houston? He, it, he's, Come on. He's good. He's good. Uh, a little schmaltzy, but I, I, I liked it. Um, we also had um, uh, Rosemary DeCamp, who plays his mom, Nellie, who is very close to James Cagney, real, his real age. Um, uh, James Cagney's real sister, Jean Cagney plays his sister, Josie. And so, so a stretch there. Yeah, I know it's gotta be tough. And then I have some others, but the only other one that I I really wanted to mention was, uh, uh, Richard Wharf who plays Sam Harris, who's kind of his partner in crime, um, in, in sort of producing the plays. Um, he's more of a, the writer of the dialogue, not so much of the, the words. Well, there's there's a couple more that I would give a shout out to. There's Irene Manning as Faye Templeton. She ha- gets she gets some pretty good dialogue. I had she her gets on there some, too. some good punches in, yeah. as well as uh, S. Z. Sakal uh, as Schwab. Yeah, uh, he pops up in another Curtis film. He pops up in Casablanca, and then um, I'll give it away right now. The uh, the unsung hero of the movie for me is Eddie Foy Jr. playing his own father. Oh. He uh, that is it's it's the best scene in the movie and he is fantastic in it. And we can we can circle back around to that when, we, yeah, when we break down the film. Well, just so so speaking of Michael Curtiz, he is in the book a number of times. The other the other films of his in the book are uh, Captain Blood, nineteen thirty five, The Adventures of Robin Hood, nineteen thirty eight, which hey I've seen. I'm happy to say that. Um, is it any good? Yeah, it's fun. It's 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 a rollicking good time. Yeah, it's, and, it's campy and Errol Flynn. The stuff. sword play is fantastic yeah. it really is well good. they still say it's never been better right probably yeah it, it's really good um and like but in a way that like only like without a union you could do back in the day yeah <laughs> um angels with dirty faces which as ian just said is favorite movie of the 30s something like that uh favorite curtsies movie. Ah, there you go yeah. um casablanca which is f- remarkable yeah um and mildred pierce from 1945 now i've seen the hbo mildred pierce have you seen the original i've seen neither okay all right yeah, so I have no well, comments. That, that cuts that conversation short. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a handful of uh, Academy Award nominations um, uh, for Best best Picture and Best Director, both of which lost uh, to Mrs. Miniver. Um, but our, our, our man James Cagney won Best Actor this year. Uh, the first uh, Academy Award for a musical performance. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, Supporting Actor. Uh, for um, Walter Houston, lost to the movie Johnny Eager. I I don't I don't know it. Uh, that's uh, that was Van Heflin in that he plays a. It's a, it's a movie about a DA's daughter that falls in love with a gangster. So there's tension there. There's this girl who's on both sides of the law, kind of thing. Well, Dad's are. a DA, but she's in love with a yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, it also lost editing to Pride of the Yankees and original story to the 49th parallel. It won sound recording and scoring of a musical. Yeah, um, it seems I looked at that. the The way they broke down the the sound and score Oscars was a little more complicated back in the day. Well, and and it was also back like there like fourteen movies up for each of those. Like, yeah, yeah, a yeah, crazy amount of movies yeah. nominated. He also picked up the National Board of Reviews Best Actor. Um, Hey, Ian, did this movie get inducted into the National Film Registry? It did in 1993, which yeah. was a, a pretty good year. We also had Badlands, Blade Runner, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Godfather Part Two, and a movie we may or may not be talking about fairly soon, Touch of Evil. Oh, we are going to be talking about that soon. We are. Um, yeah. that, uh, that's coming up. <laughs> he also, James Cagney also won Best Actor at the New York Film Critics Circle, lost Best Director, director that, that year, to Casablanca. Um because, so he so he didn't really lose. Yeah, but he just the, got it for a different movie. And it came out at yes, exactly. Um, uh, it is currently number ninety eight 
on the AFI list, it used to be 100, or did I get that flipped? Is it now? Is it currently? No, yeah, it used to be. It's in 98 now, and it used to be 100. Um, this movie is not on the IMDb 250. Which I don't think is surprising. Not at all. It has a 93% critical and an 83% audience. Can I imagine that we both have the Bosley Crowther review of this movie? We do indeed both have the Bosley Crowther. <laughs> so I, I bracketed one thing that I want to read. Um, because this is my favorite moment of the movie. So there's a paragraph that I'll read if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Without question, the most solidly entertaining portion of the film is that which has to do with Cohan's early bouts with the stage and the sumptuous reproductions of bits from his early shows. Here, Mr. Cagney excels both in characterization and jubilant song and dance. His handling of Yankee Doodle Boy and Give My Regards to Broadway from Little Johnny Jones must be, with all due respect, quite as buoyant as Mr. Cohan's own. And one priceless dialogue he plays with Eddie Foy Jr., representing the elder Foy, couldn't have been better if Mr. Cohan had played it and written it himself. I, I, when they put that up on stage, the, the little Johnny Jones, I, I, I'm in it. I'm so in it. The theater nerd in me fucking loved every bit of it. Oh, I'm not surprised. Oh my god. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read the last sentence from Crowther's review because it's just. It's so him. Oh yeah. I do it. Please. It's so him. Yes. Indeed, there is so much in this picture, and so many persons that deserve their meed of praise that everyone connected with it can stick a feather in his hat and take our word. It's dandy. (laughs) Now, if you've been following us for some time, you know when we do these older movies, we love to to give our love to. To Bosley Crowther, and that's I. You'll agree, like I said, if you've been following us, that statement is just—it's him. It's so that's so indicative oh, of his writing. Oh, Bosley! Oh, that's Bosley! You. Bosley Crowther. So, Adam, do you love lists? I I do love lists. I love lists too. Would you like to hear Premier's ten best performances of all time lists? <laughs> do I? Would you? Sure. Because you know, if we love talking shit about Premier, when or at was least... this compiled? Is there? Oh, I didn't grab the year. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, but, you know, premiere garbage magazine. Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll start at the... And it's, it's relevant. I wouldn't bring it up unless Cagney wasn't on it. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, starting at number 10, we have Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. Okay. At number 9, we have Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein, which I kind of got to respect that for being... I don't agree with it. I don't... I, I think a, that's a bold that's, move, putting yeah. that on there. I, I mean, I love Young Frankenstein. I also Frankenstein. don't hate it, yeah. yeah but yeah. I, that's... that. Yeah. Uh, James Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. I, I get it. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, would you like to guess which movie? Graduate. No, Midnight Cowboy. No. That's yeah, not I know, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It doesn't, of all the Dustin Hoffman performances, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Uh, James Cagney and what, that's, is, is in Yankee's Little Dandy next. Five? Is that five uh, or six? Yeah, that's number five. Okay. Uh, Betty Davis in All About Eve is number four. I really want to kick that up our list. To do. I've never All seen All about it, Eve? Yeah. Yeah, well, we should do that along with uh, Mike Lee. Yeah. Here we go. We're, we're hinting at new episodes already. At number four, we have Al Pacino. Would you like to again guess which movie? Dog Day. Yep. There you go. Dog okay. Day. At number three, we have Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. I haven't seen it. I've never, I haven't seen Sophie's Choice either. I got the feeling that I really need to. Yeah. Yeah. At number two, we have Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I'm, and I'm, number one, you want to take a wild stab in the dark as to what it could be? Uh, um, Peter O'Toole. There. Wow. Woo! Nice. Well done. There you go. I, it, only I was thinking British. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but there you go. We love lists. There so. we go. I love it. I love lamp. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really love lamp? I love lamp. Yeah. I love lamp. <laughs> Um, wow, we well, it's also already. That's not good. Uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy is on a couple other lists as as well. Uh, the AFI, they 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 love lists too. They do. They really do. That's their uh, thing. Yankee Doodle Boy is number seventy one on their hundred greatest songs. And my mother thanks you. My father thanks thanks you. That that whole thing. That's yeah. number ninety seven on their list of best quotes. Okay, whatever. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, I I have no feelings one way or the other. So I'm not going to really tell you what about what this movie is. It it it, it starts. It's a musical biopic. It, it starts in the present. He's he's much older. He's portraying FDR. FDR calls him into his office and says, "Tell me your life story, basically." And then he tells him his life story. Um, well, the present is 1941 in this movie. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That present. Sorry to provide the present of the movie. Yes. yes to provide yes. context. My bad. Yes. Um. So I, yeah, I'm not going to. We'll just so. I think we just talk about this movie kind of that large and 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 you know where it was. Um, I mean, this they were they were on set when Pearl Harbor happened, um, and you know it, it really seemed like this movie was being made to help bolster Cagney's um, patriotism. Well, yeah, because his his brother William, who is a producer on, is a producing partner of his. Yeah. He said we're going to make the goddamnedest, most patriotic movie ever made, because Cagney's uh, patriotism had been called into question in the early days of the uh, the American the the how excuse me the House on American Activities here. Yeah, Huac. Ca- yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He was he was called up and and into question. So they had to they had to set that right. He was event. His name was obviously eventually cleared. Yeah, but- yeah. So, you know, it, it just it seemed like this was a lot of, um, you, you know, Cagney needed needed something to do to show that. And Cohen had been sort of <laughs> pushing the script around for a long time. That was that just seemed to be who he was. He really was a, a song and dance man, both on stage and off stage, you know, really trying. So to... the genesis of the script did start with Cohen. Then. Well, I, I think they're, they're, um, the, 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 the screenwriters, they, they had it in mind, but he, he was always trying to put like push his life story to, to be on film. That was kind of what he wanted to well, do. Well, and that comes through immediately in the movie that this is a man who is very confident and very self-aware and knows just how talented he is, Yeah, even from a very young age. I mean, those are some of the best scenes in the movie, I think, is, is him as a young man. There's the moment after he's, what is it, Peck's bad boy. Yeah, He's made his big leading man debut on stage because this is a, a theater family, the four Cohans, yep, the, the four mother, Cohans. the daughter... Uh, his younger sister and him, and he's he's made his debut as a leading man, or leading young man, uh-huh. and uh, already he's he's talking shit to uh, other theatrical distributors. There's a guy that comes to them backstage and says, "Hey, we're going to open a new theater in Philadelphia, and we want you guys to be a part of it. You're going to get third or fourth billing, yeah, and of we course, guaranteed." He- Ten weeks or something. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And he starts talking shit to this guy. Like, who, yeah. who, who is this kid? He's he's what is he? he's playing thirteen? I think at the time, maybe yeah, something like that. A little younger, maybe twelve, yeah. something like that. I, I, you know, there's the moment. Well, there's there's a great moment before this where, um, you know, he, he basically like I could take any boy in town. That's how the the play. That's how the play ends. And then all the kids up. You could tell all the kids in the in the yeah. They're all booing and yeah, yeah. So there's a moment where the stagehands like um. You know, Mr. Cohan, you've got some people outside who want to see you, and he's like, "Oh, probably reporters. It's already started." And so there's there's a moment where the kids are outside and they they kick the shit out of them, which is which is fine. But I I, I had it on in the background this morning just so I could kind of 
because I had seen this a long time ago, so I needed I definitely needed to refresh myself. There's a moment where I realized the stagehand does not tell him it's a group of kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, I goes, love that. He goes, I, love I, that bet it, I bet it's the reporters. And the guy, like, does the shifty eyes. Like, I'm not going to fucking tell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that he's in on it, that he's setting him up. Yeah. Like, and that, already, and, like, everybody's sick of this kid. Yeah, I do, I do. I do like that. Now, let's not go much because you, you, I don't know if you, I, it's been, I don't know if you mentioned this right at the top of recording or before we did. I skipped over a key detail, yes. Okay. So, and, but, but it's important. Not, not deliberately. And I, there's, so we talk about, we talk about things not aging well. I don't think that's what this is, but let's bring it up. Well, we can't whitewash history. No, 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 not at and all. That's not to make a pun. Either. So, no, no. So there's, there is a moment where the four Cohans are in blackface. They are doing sort of a minstrel type show and, the, the backdrop is all kind of deep south, yeah. sort of plantation house. It doesn't last very long. It might be 45 seconds of screen time, but it's you can't not. It's very obvious. Well, because it's, it's all it's all incl- it's them moving, each of them moving in and out of frame. Yeah. And then the, the whole point is that it's they, a big reveal that yeah, they're doing they've blackface. They've got um, the, the uh, hats in front of their faces, yeah. and then they drop them to reveal that they're in blackface. And it, it is, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But... You know, in 2020, it's a little jarring. It oh, totally. And it, I remember when I watched it, it I was kind of flabbergasted because it's it's very apparent. Yeah. Well, I was I had that reaction. I was surprised, and I went, "Oh no!" And then I was also kind of not surprised because it's you know the late 1800s. And and that's and that's what I was going to say is as the, the theater nerd in me is that that this is this was that was entertainment. That's yeah. what was passing as. Let's take the family and go see this. Um, and, and I agree. There are, there are things that haven't aged well. And then there's just our unfortunate past. And I think, I think it falls into that category. Yeah. Like, I don't, it hasn't aged well, sure, because racism doesn't age well. But I, do, I think this plays more like, no, 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 that needs to be there. That needs to be there. Yeah. Because we can't, again, we don't, we're not just going to push it under the rug. That's what passed for entertainment back then. It's not a good thing. It's just, it's history. It sucks, but it's history, um, and I don't want—I didn't want to ignore it or give it like I, the podcast isn't going to turn into a, a discussion about that part only. But it's unfortunate. Yeah, but that's that's. So if you're going to watch this movie, just be prepared for that. Get yeah. your your sensibilities prepared to see something historical and unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so I mean, this movie does just go. It it, it it's very chronological. It's very it, it's very episodic. So. I'm wondering. Well, it, it lays the template for what we come to know now as as biopic. So it's yeah. something that, even if you don't like the movie, that was something that I still found to appreciate about it. So oh, this laid a lot of the groundwork for. Let's just pull a random one: Bohemian Rhapsody. Like sure. all all the other biopics, musical biopics, they can all trace their roots to this sort of structure of filmmaking. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I I will say that I I did find. All of the stage reproductions, very. I already said what my favorite my favorite moment was. was yeah, they're 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 definitely the standout moments in the film, and the I, I'm imagining that's what people queued up for back in 1942. That's what yeah. they paid money to see. One and to see Cagney break out of his sort of gangster archetype that he was, which is so wasn't funny. necessarily stuck in. But well, no, I think I think in the terms of Hollywood, he kind of was. Um, but he had his start in vaudeville. Like the song and dance man is kind of. Like before we knew him as the the on screen tough, you know, he was a, a song and dance guy. And um 
you know, I, I, you know, in the research read that they that Cohen really wanted Fred Astaire to do it, but Fred Astaire didn't didn't want to because the dance style was just not really his own. He it was, which speaks to his egomania. That's fair too. Um, but and and watching because I I'm willing to bet if you could go back in time and ask Astaire what he regrets not doing, this is probably up on that list. I would I probably yeah. I mean, it, it would have to be. And now. Do I now? Do I think Fred Astaire would have won the Oscar for it? No, and yeah. I think that's the that's the the actor in Cagney bringing something more to the role than just the tapping and the singing. You know, because again, and, and and some of the the behind the scenes stuff that I saw, you know, Cohen wasn't a great singer. He he kind of he kind of spoke sang his, his songs, and you can hear Cagney know, but do not it in a shitty William Shatner way. No, 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 <laughs> not at all, not at all. But like, and I, I'm not gonna try. I mean, I'm not gonna do it very well. But it's like the. I'm a Yankee Doodle dandy. Yankee Doodle doer. It's, he's not like... So there's still some rhythm to yeah, you know, it. That's, and, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I meant by song singing. Like it's... he Or um, speak singing. He He's on rhythm. He's on pitch. It, it's all there, but he's It's not... not she packed not, my bag last night. Pre-flight. No, no, it's not that at all. <laughs> and it's not like... It's not like when... when um, uh, when they're when she's singing Mary, right? It's not. We're not listening to a really great singer sing a really good song. He's just sort of performing. I, I, that makes any sense. But he's not. Yeah, he's not going for the gusto. It's more about being clever and fun and 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 light on your feet. And I the tapping. And if if that is a real depiction of what Cohan was like, that's tough. And I, well, and that stiff leg yeah. dancing as well. Is this is this is all over my notes? Is his commitment to the role and yeah. how much I buy? It. And I can't argue with. I mean, looking at the other guys that were nominated that year. I mean, I had I been around and. Been in the academy, I'm sure I would have voted for Cagney. His he really does get lost in this role. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I mean, we talked about. I this. mean, I forgot. I honestly forgot I was watching Cagney. Yeah, when we talked about our Oscar thoughts last week, you said you hadn't seen Judy yet, but it, it's it's a thing where the performance really elevates the whole movie because the movie itself is very schmaltzy and very yeah. it's, It wears its message on its sleeve, and it's, it's too long. It's very long. It's too long. Um. So I, I can't. Can we just talk about some of the the random things in this movie that I thought were were interesting? Yeah, or, not, but like just like like so the whole thing about him being born on the Fourth of July. So so Walter Houston has to basically get across town. He gets like essentially a police escort, a military escort. Yeah, because he has to bust through the Fourth of July parade. <laughs> he, he so he gets home. He finds out he's having a son. There's all these great. Sorry, sorry to derail you. Do you also while we're on the? Do you like the the plaque on the wall that tells you tells us what year it is? As if they would just change the plaque every year. Did you catch that little detail? Oh, I don't know. There is as there's a shot where he's breaking through the parade. And he passes by this brick wall, and the brick wall has 1878 or something on oh. it. Yeah, I don't know. Just so we know what we year know where it is. we are. Yeah. But I, I just so he he has a boy, his his wife is in bed, the baby is sleeping, and he he basically has them shoot a fucking cannon off right outside the window, and the baby starts crying, and they kind of laugh it off, and I'm like, no, he you're even, a shitty father. He even screams in an Irish bro. God, what the fuck? Stop it. God. <laughs> I did. I did get a little chuckle out of that. No, like, I chuckled too. But yeah. I was like, "What a bad dad!" Yeah, that's, that's awful. Sucks. Yeah, what a dick. Um, here, God, you know what's so funny? I really have so many good things to say about this movie, and ultimately, I'm not going to recommend it, which is tough. Because there are a lot of parts of the movie that I really, really well, and we'll, have fun. We'll, we're kind of we're kind of putting the the cart before the horse, but there are so, it is a it is a good movie. It is a fun, enjoyable movie to a degree. But there yeah. are so many better musicals that aren't in the book. That's fair. Um, like I love, I love when he 
when uh, Mary comes in and, and thinks he's the old man. Yeah, that's a fun scene. It's I got some chuckles silly. out it's of just, that. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of crazy nonsense. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a nice juxtaposition to the blackface that hasn't aged so well, but this silly moment yeah. is still a lot of fun, and he's acting like a young man even though he's dressed up as an old man. Yeah. And she she touches his his head at one point and realize the the white powder comes off in her hand. You know the the age adding gray to his hair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, and he when he takes the wig off and she freaks out and he stamps on it. That's good. I really like that a lot. That's yeah. really fun. Well, and and it, it I I. I also like how they kind of explore, you know, when you're going through the depression and having to really be your own, your own agent, your own um, front man. I love how him and Sam sort of trick kind of con the guy into buying little Johnny Jones. Like, Oh, we got to go downtown. We got to meet. He's like, wait, who are you? And this, this is, this is what I, I wanted to get to is this movie was kind of a roller coaster for me. So as it would start to lose me, there were moments exactly like that moment where they they do their riffing together. They don't really know each other, but he oh, remembers yeah. seeing him in another audition that he failed, and then neither of them can get work. And so he's like, "Well, we're both struggling. Let's just riff in front of this guy, and we can sell we can sell him this play without selling it directly to him." Yeah, kind of thing. There's there's moments like I said, I I'm starting to I'm fading out. Uh, I'm not interested, and then it pops back in with great little moments like that. I forget what the other uh, the other guy's last name is, but it's Dietz and somebody. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna say I'm just gonna say Gertz because I I, it was, I thought it was a G, but I love that like the old the old man's like, well, are you sure you have to take your script to him? And and uh, Cagney's like, well, you know, I really like Dietz, but I don't like. I think Gertz. it's Erlanger, isn't it? Oh, is it Erlanger? Okay, yeah. yeah. So Dietz and Erlanger. Like, like I, I you know I like Dietz, but I don't like Erlanger. I I like Erlanger, but I don't like Dietz. And there's just the whole like yeah. the way that they they really do. It's solid dialogue. Oh, it's, really, it's good dialogue. It's witty. It's fun. And I wonder, I think uh, Cagney brought in um, the Epstein brothers, Julius and Philip, to, to clean up the script. So I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the good dialogue is coming from their direction. Probably. Because they were, they were comedy writers and they wrote Arsenic and Old Lace and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. A very, very classic play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it's hard for me to get past the little Johnny Jones on stage. I. I was so swept up in that moment, and and I and I get all I like all the other stuff. I like when they when they sing Mary, and I like when you know we get to hear over there and all the other things that we can associate with him. And now let's pause on Mary. So this is now that we've said some nice things about the movie, I'll turn it into the negative. There's a, a character moment that I really really dislike, and I know that it's it's got to serve the story, and and it's it's a it's the moment where. Um, He's written Mary for the woman that's going to become his wife, for Mary. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he's also got to pitch the play and get it on Broadway. In order to do that, they need to secure a big star. And so they go to the biggest star on Broadway at the time, Faye Templeton. And of course, when she hears him playing it, she's like, oh, I got to have that. And he's like, well, we've got to get her. We've got to just roll over for her and let her have this. And there's that that back and forth. And he comes home with the massive box of chocolates and all the flowers. And he's trying to tap dance around the fact that, oh, he's given her song away. Yeah. And she doesn't bat an eye. She's totally fine with it. And then there's a moment where they're putting it on and Faye Templeton is singing Mary. And she's explained that I don't mind because I've got the author. Yeah. And I feel like I, I, I get the sentiment and I kind of appreciate it. But at the same time, I feel like that's that's a character beat that kind of undercuts her and, and makes her appear. That, that's one of my problems with the movie in general is there's not 
there's not enough conflict driving the story as I think that we've gotten used to in biopics of this kind, even if some of it is manufactured. Of course, in the case of Bohemian Rhapsody, where almost all of it is manufactured. Well, that movie blows. Which is so. the, yeah, it's come down a lot in my esteem over the last six months. Um, was, it, was it ever up? Was it up in your esteem? I think I got swept up in the nostalgia of the music That's and funny. I'm never going to take anything away from Rami's performance because he is genuinely astounding in it, but no. he's just let down by uh, Roger Taylor and, and Brian May doing a huge disservice yeah. to, to Freddie's legacy, but that's neither here nor yeah, there. But you know what I mean? There's this movie that that's the extreme case of conflict being manufactured to make the story interesting. Whereas yeah. this, there's almost no conflict. There is no conflict. In a, I mean, the, the, the conflict is so, you know, there's the moments where he, he's, he's out of work for a little bit of time yeah. and then he gets, and then he gets famous. And then he sends his family off to keep working. And then once he strikes, it brings them back. Yeah. So, and I, and that was another one of my problems with the movies. It feels like a lot of things in this film happen too easy. Well, and, and it, yeah, I think it undercuts the, the struggling artists. I think it does it, a disservice to just how hard it is to they, get there. They brush past it a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really feels it's, I mean, the, the word I kept writing down was if it's sanitized. There's yeah. something about this whole experience that is just it's too clean. You know, and and what they what they're really not saying is you know when when they, when they were the four cohans early on when the kids were still younger, you know you're you're kind of rail car to rail car. You're not you're making enough to get from one place to the next. You're you're not you're getting by. You're not living. You know, and and it's. Yeah, breaking even isn't even on your agenda. You've yeah. just got to make it to the next town. And it's it's I agree, it's unfortunate because they don't they don't I mean, they hint and hint might even be too strong of a word that that they they're struggling to get by. Um it and I agree, it does certainly seem to come off easy, but I think this all goes into not just the 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 pro America, but also the um uh well yeah, I guess pro America, like the pro um the American dream, you know, the you know, um I can't think of no, no, no. You're, no, you're onto something there, and I, and I think that's. I was thinking about this manifest I, destiny. Like yes, that's that's what go. I was. I couldn't get yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. You were on the right track there, and what I was thinking about is, man, if we weren't already in such a flag waving state of being, right? It, I would love to see somebody tackle this story again yeah. and try and make it a bit meatier. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more engaging. Not that it. Not that it's not engaging, because but to add some more weight to it, the, the, and all, to really all the struggles are written so witty, you know. Yes. It's, yes. Or it's fun and it's light. Yeah. You know, like, and not that it, I mean, I'm not. I, I I'm not going to make a big deal, big deal out of this, but there's a moment where um, Walter Houston spanks a young George Cohan, and like. I'm Which sure. I, I laughed. I loved that. You oh, know, I thought it was mother, funny, The too. mother is like, no, 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 not the face. No, yeah. no, 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 not the hands. He's got to play the violin. And, okay, and I'll I, spank the bit that has no talent. Yeah, but it's like, you know, there's there's a group of people who'd be up in arms about that when it's like, okay, can we, you know, but but it's but it, but it's light. It's lighthearted. It's not right, a serious right. moment. And, yeah. you know, what? but let's, there had to have been like a, a, a fa- an overbearing father moment, uh, a theater dad, you know, where it's like, no, you're not doing it right. Like I, and, and I realize that's not the story they want to tell. But, but we've got to check this box. Yeah, yeah. And it and it leads in the movie is really just a, a celebration. And I love that um, Faye has a line where she's kind of ribbing him, not realizing that she he's stood in the room with her as they're coming to pitch this play to her about I don't want to work for that that. The, all that flag waving it's that vulgar flag waving is what she says yeah and that's and that's what the movie boils down to this is a this is a celebration of somebody's life that 
just wants to focus on the celebration and not how hard it was to get there. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I feel like that's the, the sweet is never going to be a sweet without the sour. You've got to have those. You've got to live through something in order to appreciate what you have. And I, I don't know the way they portrayed Kohan. I don't feel like he ever if if this portrayal of him is correct then he never really appreciated his downtime yeah yeah i, I would agree yeah. yeah everything was a success yeah even even I, when it I, was i'm low. going to assume that's not the case I, uh, yeah probably but this movie would have you believe otherwise and, and when he made it like he made it yeah i mean he was doing stuff all the time um well he's there are no other statues in times square it's just him yeah i do uh i i like the bit so there's there's a lot of stories regarding the whole uh, Walter Houston death scene. So it's an emotional scene. I get it. I wasn't too moved by it particularly. I mean, I, I, you're not taking anything away from Houston's performance. No, right? he's, no he's he's good. In yeah, that. it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. I, so there's there's I like this. There's two stories about it that I. So the, there's the one that you know. Michael Curtiz would cry during the takes and that they had to keep doing it because it was, you know, it was kind of interrupting and how it was so moving watching the scene. The other story that I heard that I really like is that, so Walter Houston first passed on this. He was like, yeah, I don't want to do it. And then they came back to Curtiz and said, um, he said no. And then Curtiz said, oh, write him a death scene. Actors love death scenes. And, and, and then is that genuinely what I didn't so, read this? So, so yeah, this is so, what genuinely got him the so role. So when 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 they sent him back to him, Kurt, he said, "Hey, can you read it again? There's something that's that's been written for you that I think you're gonna like." And then after that, he he accepted the part. <laughs> it is. I think it is very moving. There's some good dialogue in there where he's talking about not upstaging his mother, even though his mother is already gone. He has a moment where he's just in this with his son. Yeah. No. I, I, mean? I I did not think it was bad. I thought right. it was fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think what it is is it's. Everything else has felt kind of schmaltzy in a way that, like, this kind of had a tinge of it still. Like, I, I get that what's happening is serious, but it was still in a tinge of everything's going to be fine. You know, even though it, we're, we're dealing with the fact that his father's going to pass, there's still a bit of, yeah, I'll get through this. It'll be okay. Yeah. Because I'm Again, an American. Again, coming back to the flag waving, yeah, you know, exactly. whenever, whenever we're at our best and we're waving our flag, there's some thug who's going to come around and knock us down. And I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't really appreciate the way they handled World War One, at all. Like he goes into the office and he's trying to he's trying to join up for World War One, but he's thirty nine. He's eight years too old to join because the cutoff is thirty one. And he talks about how oh these guys they couldn't do what I these soldiers they don't know what a hard day's work is. They couldn't do what I do. I'd love to see them stand up on that stage all day and not be exhausted. Like, no, don't do that. Now, don't do that. I, now, first of all, I agree. I, that that's that's a that's a stretch. I'm not gonna like I, now. This is a weird comparison to make, so just go on this brief journey with me. When I was in grad school, um, IU had a BFA musical theater program, and those kids work their asses off because they're doing they're doing singing and dancing all the time, and that's a oh, lot. And, and believe me, I'm not taking anything away from that. No, no, no. no but you're not but, being shot at. No, 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 no. Yeah, the comparison it's it doesn't it's 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 apples to oranges. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're saying they couldn't do tap dancing, probably because they don't know it. That, okay, sure, that's fair. But if you talk about endurance, you you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that you're, you're comparing the most random things. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. that, that is a fair and just comment. Yeah, I, in big block letters in my notes, I have don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you and you said your so your unsung hero was um, Eddie Foy Jr. playing yeah. his dad because that scene. I actually I don't do this very often when we're when I'm taking the notes. I'm kind of like flying by it. I want to experience it 
in one shot. But I I re I wound it back and rewatched that scene because it just I was just tickled by it where he Eddie Foy is there. Uh, Cohan has struck it big. He's all over Broadway. There's the massive poster outside for George Washington Jr. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I've got the quote quote here. Cohan and Harris present George Washington Jr. starring the author and composer George M. Cohan. George M. Cohan and his royal family. Books and lyrics, music, and directed by George M. Cohan. Printed by Sam Devensky. That must be Cohan's alias. I, what does the M stand for? Must be modesty. Like that. And then when Cohan comes out and they do their bantering back and forth, because I guess Foy is in a show across the street, and they don't realize who they are at first, and yeah. then they start to slowly figure out who they're talking to, and then the ribbing gets really good. He's talking about, it'll have them glued to their seats. Well, that's one way to keep them there. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And yeah. there's not, unfortunately, there's not enough of it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I would have watched the whole movie of them just, like, going at it. So I, I gave my unsung hero to Johnny Boyle. He's the choreographer because again, I just loved oh, it's a hell of a lot of work. I really enjoyed watching the, and I, so I had it on in the background and, and my youngest was sleeping and Stella was kind of checking in and out. And what kept drawing her attention was the dancing. Yeah. When they started talking, she was like, nah, I'm out, but they would start dancing. She'd be like, Oh, and just what I could see her watching everything. And she's such a little dancer anyway. She's trying to copy some of the, the moves, but I mean, and it's not just his solo stuff, but I love watching and, choreography isn't just dancing it's 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 like the ensemble movement and like when they're watching the race and the little in rhythm in tandem things that they're doing i yeah that's that's, that's the great i love all that me, stuff. and i, I yeah. really 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 love it of course the big ensemble during um is it george washington jr where they're showing the bit they've got the, the grand old flag bit where it, it, yes. it starts very small yes. and then just gets it's the whole stage yeah. with all the dancers going in you i mean that's you can't take anything away from that that's a hell of a lot of work to make that that work yeah i agree i agree um so do you have any i mean I, in this movie actually again this movie has a lot of lines a lot of great one-liners i mean uh, one i it's early on in the movie but he says you know i'd rather be a great guy than a great actor that's the dad and then and then a young george conan says can i be both and he says if you keep on like you are you will, or can i be both he says if you keep on like you are you won't be both yeah you know, and, and I just, you know, because you, you know, and, and I, and I, as much as he's a little, little, kind of a little prick in the, you know, that's the point. You know, we do learn from our mistakes. That's, you know, we, we kind of have our kid, we have our childlike years to find out what works and what doesn't work. And of course, the way the movie is told, he certainly does. And he's a good guy and doesn't do anything wrong. Just went about his business. Well, my my second place for an unsung hero would be whoever designed that shot uh, as we progress through time and his success panning through all the different billboards yeah. through Times Square. I like because I I had a hard time getting a sense of time yeah. in the film, like where exactly we are in history, and they moved some things around anyway, like the start of America joining World War uh, One with the sinking of the Lusitania mm-hmm. uh, in 1915 and that really, because you didn't join the war until 1917, but that's what started that ball rolling. And then yeah. when I looked it up, well, they kind of fudged some things because uh, performance uh, popularity came out in 1909. And there's the, I, that's another really good scene where he goes to Western Union and he publishes, he's about to publish the full page apology for how, you know, bad popularity was. And then of course he turns around and, uh, few years later they turned that no popularity came out in 1906 and then he reworked it into the man who owned broadway in 1909 yeah yeah, i did my research um 
Yeah, that's 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 really great. That I I appreciated that because I'm like, okay, finally I can kind of get my bearings because I don't know much about Cohen and I can kind of figure out where we are in in history and where he is in history. Um, so yeah, I I love that shot. Yeah, really do like that a lot. And while it. we're talking about cracking lines, as you were just a minute ago, after he retires, and I hate it. It's such a hokey thing where they do the different stamps on the on the suitcase and they zoom in and they have a little moment in London yeah. or a little another kind of racist moment in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah, that's not so good. But the England one, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. Uh when they're in a carriage going around Trafalgar Square or Buckingham Palace wherever it is they're going. He says, "I'm glad I wasn't born an Englishman. I'd be waving that flag to death." I wrote I this is literally what I wrote in my notes. Well, you're not wrong, but fuck you. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you can, you have the right to say that. So I, that's, I do. That's fine. I do. How do you feel about the, the bookends at the end of the movie, starting with the Congress? Because he did get the Congressional Medal. And this is another reason why I call the film sanitized, is that he, I guess the actual Cohen, as a younger man, was more democratic. And then once Roosevelt started in with his like New Deal stuff, and he started to turn a bit more against Roosevelt. And he actually was given, they awarded him the medal in 1936, but he didn't want to meet Roosevelt. And so he did, he put off actually getting it until 1940. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So they kind of, you know, sanitized that a little bit, but how do, how do you feel about the bookends I mean, and telling the whole film in flashback? I, I you know, I, I mean, it's such a trope now. It it is, and I, but I think though it's it's hard. I mean, it's like if we if we if we started this movie with Walter Houston on stage and and then basically go into the you know that him being born, it would be it would feel weird. I, I do you know, and I think again, I think it's it's Cohan who had who had so almost total say over what happened with the film, um, wanting to again can show just how you know patriotic he is like i you know because all that being true with him and, and the congressional medal of of freedom honor whatever one it was yeah the um, congressional medal of, of honor yeah that and he was the first artist to ever receive yes, it yes exactly which is cool that he, he he's a but you know yes that happened but watch i'm gonna we're gonna put it in there i i go and talk to him and it's 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 more like it's more immediate than history actually proves yeah. it to be but oh, I think before, it's fine. Before I get that's a that's another great line as well where he's talking about because he, he, he comes out of retirement to play Roosevelt on stage while Roosevelt is still president. Yeah. And when the reviews start coming in and he gets the letter from the White House summoning him to the White House, he's got a stage manager or his or somebody there who says, "Don't worry, he didn't send a letter to to summon you there to have you shot. He doesn't get up that early." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, so this is going to be that." I was kind of because I, you had kind of talked the movie down a little bit to me before I watched it, sure. and so that kind of set me at ease. I was like, okay, the writing—if the writing's going to be this good throughout—I'm going to be pretty, pretty happy about it. But anyway, to finish off the the bookend thought, I I agree with you. That's it's kind of what you had to do because yeah. to tell this story to start there is yeah, it would be a bit jarring. So I just I wanted to see if you were on the same page as me with that. Yeah, and and you know, and it I do like how even though over there was a, was for World War One, we kind of end the movie with it sort of being another rallying cry for the joining for world war two. So. And I'm, I'm a sucker for that song and that, that moment anyway, where he's marching with them and they're like, Hey, old timer, don't you remember this one? The guy obviously not knowing yeah. that he's Cohen. I'm like, Oh, yeah. right. Nah, that's fine. You can have it. Yeah. You can have that moment. So question time. Yeah. I enjoyed this movie. I yeah. don't think it should be in the book. 
I, I, I don't regret seeing it. I had a, uh, yeah, I had I a good either. time watching it. I don't it. regret it. I don't, yeah. It's a, as I mentioned, it's a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, there's, I, I think there's like two thirds of a good movie in here. Yeah. I, my, my little note I wrote here, because at the end I was like, I, Cagney isn't enough. Is, is sort of that's, that, yeah. That, that, oh, yeah. At the end of the day, I was like, he, he's the two thirds. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that's probably not fair either because there's some great lines. Well, he's and other a third, things. and then the staging of the the musicals yeah. and the songs of that, like but all the stuff that all the stuff that Cohen did, yeah. to prepare Cagney for this role, and all the stuff he did throughout his life is the other third. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's missing the like we talked about. It's missing some conflict and some some drama to really drive the story yeah. and too long so you could cut down some of the musical stuff yeah I think. oh i thought yeah but i, thought I, I completely understand we can't not appreciate when this movie came out and what audiences must have felt because i'm sure there were a lot of people in the audience that grew up with kohan yeah and so for them this was a uh, you know nostalgic oh for totally people and stuff like that Absolutely. they must have had a ball revisiting all of those old songs and and broadway shows that they knew i do which is funny because it plays into the younger generation coming up and they stop by his farmhouse and they don't know who he is. Yeah. That's kind of a fun moment. Yeah. Despite the silliness of him falling out of the hammock. I don't know. That yeah. We, I, we, we don't need that. Yeah. That's that enforced. Out, but. Oh, but he, but Cagney had a lot of freedom with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he so did. So I'm sure he was like, yeah, yeah keep it. That's yeah, good. Yeah, whatever. So I, I don't think it should be in the book. I'm going to assume you don't either. I, I don't. Yeah. For everything we, we just said. Right. Now. Do you, do you have a replacement? I do. And mine's kind of a cheat because it was also my recommendation which is topsy-turvy oh excellent yeah because in the same, the same realm it's not quite a musical but there are the same kind of clips on stage and it is about it, their operettas so yeah and it's got a historical significance yeah, exactly. as well and yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh my replacement is kind of a cheat as well because it was once in the book and came out Ooh, moulin rouge oh yeah okay i get that yeah i get that i've got such a, a special it's, it may be a story that i already told on the podcast i don't remember if i did or not but um I went and saw that movie by myself. Ooh. And uh, this is 2001, so I would have been, I don't know, 14. 14, 15. Something yeah. like yeah. that. And um, I had I had a really big visceral reaction. I, the only, Honestly, the only reason I went and saw it because I love Ewan McGregor. Loved Ewan McGregor since I saw him in Trainspotting. I was like, oh my, I, gotta, I love this guy. I want to see everything that he's in. Did you go to the Stanwood Cinemas? No, this was back in England. So oh, I went to were, I went to uh, the uh, Odeon down by the Gloucester almost, Docks. You were almost. I was almost here. Okay. Um, it's it's one of those moments I'll never forget because when the, the house lights came up at the end of it, I had such a rollicking, joyful, good time. And I turn around with a shit-eating grin on my face and I'm the only person in there by myself. Everyone else is in a couple. And I went, oh, <laughs> I'm that loser. <laughs> Not that I mind going to the movies by myself, but it was clearly date night for everybody. Sure. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> But I, I just, I love Moulin Rouge. I love the inventiveness of it, the original. I, and I'm sure that Lerman isn't the first person to do it, to incorporate pre-existing songs yeah. into a musical and shape, you know, this yeah. sort of story through these these already existing songs. But it's just, I think it's still unlike most musicals. Oh, yeah. There. I think it's, I think, I mean, I I, I think it's a, a, a bright, shiny part of what I think is a fairly lackluster career yeah um so yeah i, I agree i yeah, think if i never have to see australia again I'll, I'll be very happy yeah that movie is genuinely terrible i didn't i honestly i still have not seen strictly ballroom though which i i heard is a better than average debut i, I, I hate i think it i i, I actually i saw it way i think i saw it in high school actually oh, yeah, yeah. and um it, yeah it's fine i probably deserve to rewatch but yeah 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 and i've already made my feelings clear on gatsby we don't need to revisit that yeah that's fine fucking 
dumpster fire of a movie. <laughs> so um, so it's 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 two no's, but not like not hateful nose. Yeah, no, it's, not quiet man nose. No, um, or uh, elephant nose. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but 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 we do think there are other things that should go in. It's um, still, I still say it's worth. I mean, if you're a fan of musicals, musical theater, I still, th- and you're interested in in uh, the genesis. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of musicals that can trace their roots to Cohen. He's yeah. probably a very important figure. In oh, yeah. that world. I mean, if you're in musical theater, you probably know the name and his story anyway. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's you know the, for anyone that's not, it's Moss still worth Hart while. and Rogers and Hammerstein and and Cohan and and I'm I'm sure I'm I'm blanking here now, but I mean there there's a, a handful of people who you can really go, yeah, those are early Broadway, early musicals. That's that's where we go to. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't is I don't know enough about musical theater, but I'm assuming we wouldn't have, you know, great composers like Sondheim without his influence, right? Well, I mean, because they all, they, yeah, they all look back, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like composers now maybe looking back to just Sondheim, but Sondheim coming up is probably looking back at, I mean, he got to work with Bernstein on West Side Story, and I'm sure Sondheim was looking at Rodgers and Hammerstein. And, What's another and one? Uh, Weber? Was it oh, Andrew Lloyd Weber. No, he's a contemporary of Sondheim, but probably again, okay. looking back. Yeah, right. right, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Um, so those are our thoughts on Yankee Doodle Dandy. As always, we'd love to hear what you think about Yankee Doodle Dandy and Cagney in it and what it is to be an American. Not really. I don't really care about that so much. Um, but you can find us on, on Facebook <laughs> and on Twitter. Um, you can support the show at patreon.com slash 1001 by one. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We launched from Podomatic, all those great places. Please let us know what you think. Like, rate, review, comment, all those wonderful things. Because we're not going to come back till it's over over there. Over there. Over uh, there. And, and until the next time we can sing on these mics, I am Adam. And I am you. And we will see you next week.